going on? What's going on, everybody? So, this is the Spest Fest with another episode. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about finding how how do you put distance between you and things around you. Um, without walking away, without trying to, you know, run away from the situation. Because what I've really become aware of when it comes to anything, almost everything, is that the key to being able to... This sounds kind of arrogant to say, but it is kind of true. I've noticed this. So the key to being wise, the key to being able to know more about a situation is what I call a mental distance, emotional distance, spiritual distance in some ways, but mostly it's about mental distance. See, there is a, a, uh, and there's, there's perfect examples of this actually. Uh, So in a lot of ways, what I've noticed is that a you know, you can actually, when it comes to other people, you probably know more about them than you don't know about yourself because you don't know how to make distance between you, between uh, your awareness and yourself and your your thoughts and yourself, things like this. Because things within yourself affect you personally, you know, whether that be emotionally or Whatever it is, you know, based on your memories and your thoughts and opinions and stuff like this. And so because of that, it's often easier to see more about other people than it is about yourself. You can, you're often very blinded by yourself, by your own, um, not even necessarily even by your own biases, but that's true as well. But by sometimes, oftentimes what I find is that you're not actually aware of yourself as much as you might think you are, unless you're very good at being aware of and so, because of that, and and the reason for why that is 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 because of this idea of distance, mental distance, emotional distance, being able to distance yourself from what is going on around you, from yourself, you things like this. And it's really something that I've been very aware of for a long time. That this is really the key to. Weezer, what? You okay? Weezer, what are you growling at? What you growling for? You okay? I'm right here. I know. Anyways, so this distance is the key to wisdom, to more awareness, more knowledge. And and I'd say most, if not all, cases. And there's good reasons for why this is. We can get get into that perhaps. But this is something I'm really aware of. And it's been something I've really been thinking about. Like, how do you put distance between things, between you and yourself, things like this, so that you can see more? How do you put distance between you and life? So you can see more because oftentimes 
you know, especially if something is affecting you emotionally, personally, you can't really see beyond that taking things, this thing personally, emotionally, whatever it is. So the key is distance. So how do you do that? How do you become distant? What does that look like? So number one, number one thing is this is not about walking away from a situation. I mean, that might be necessary to a certain extent, or at least temporarily. Uh, this is not about like being unemotional or this is not about being cold to the person, being cold to people around you and things like this. It's about, it's more of an inner ability. It's inner. It's not outer. It's not about your behaviors. It's not about your uh, words that you tell to people. It's about how you approach the situation within yourself. Um, and this is something that you don't really hear people talk about. Like, how do you approach something? Like, there's there's, there's several different layers within uh, when it comes to approaching a situation. The first is, like, through behaviors and through actions. Like, you approach the situation with positivity or with, uh, you know, positivity or trepidation or whatever it is. That could be thoughts. Um, you approach the situation, you know, you're walking slower. You might be acting positive or whatever it is, right? But there's other layers as well that are inner, like how do you approach the situation within yourself and things like this. And so this is what we're doing. This is what distance is about. How do you find distance between you and yourself or you and something else? And there's many ways of doing this. One of the easiest is, is imagination. And I've talked about this before in the past. Is there's this technique that I've developed where basically you, you imagine. And you, there's several different uh, versions of this. But one of them is imagine that you are a wise master looking on, looking upon your own life or upon somebody else's life. And this person is very distant from your life, but he can see, because he's so distant, he can see further, he can see more, right? Like, imagine, for instance, you're, if you're really close to something, you can see the things around you, but you don't see very much of it. You, you see, like, a lot of the building, like, imagine you're in a area with a bunch of buildings. You see the buildings, you see specific buildings and that can be useful too as well but you don't see like the bigger picture which is what you really need to become a wise to become more aware of things like this uh but imagine you watch the city from a distance you can see how it's structured how it's shaped and things like this and you can still somewhat see individual buildings too if, it, if you're not too far away things like this right So imagine that you are a, a master or a wise person or an enlightened person or whatever it is you think of. Maybe Jesus, maybe Buddha, whatever it is. 
and this person slash people or group or whatever it is is looking upon your life or whatever it is that you're trying to look upon from this distant vantage point and they're not biased by what they're seeing because they have no they have no vested interest necessarily about which way it, the wind is going to blow with this thing that you're in, engaged in they might have compassion for the people involved but they don't necessarily have a vested interest in things being a certain way over other ways or whatever it is so they see things from distance they see with clarity right that's not imagine that's imagination exercise you can do it's very useful but you can't necessarily be relying upon imagination based exercises your entire life so how do you do this without getting stuck in that right and the answer there's there's a couple answers there's a couple of different things you can do but the answer to me is the subjective versus objective I talked about this in the episode before. Um, what I did a couple of, um, a couple episodes before, <laughs> where I was talking about um, uh, use, choosing reality over emotion, choosing reality over thoughts, or whatever it is, right? Um, and so the point of the, that is to create neutrality what you need is neutrality what you need is the ability to have neutrality within your mind within your thoughts within your emotions and to do that you have to learn how to see hey you have to, you have to learn how to choose reality rather than your emotions your opinions, your beliefs, whatever, whatever, rather than things you think you, rather than things you you want, or even the things you fear, it's more important to choose you know, reality. So distance is neutrality. It's it's neutral. It's impartial. It's impersonal. And because of that impartiality, and because of that impersonality, that uh, neutrality, it can see more. It's more aware. It can and it can see things that if you are too close to something, you will not be able to see. Because you are stuck within uh, non-neutrality, non-partiality. You're very partial to one. Thing, uh, belief, opinion, ideology, philosophy over others. And I don't, I don't mean one over others as in like you think your way is superior. It's more like one over others in the sense of so like you – I mean you could think of it in that way. And that is one example. But it also oftentimes is more of a like you have a belief or something and – you notice that reality doesn't necessarily match up with that belief, but you choose that belief anyways. That's what I mean by saying one over something else. Doesn't mean that you think you're better. Doesn't mean that you think you're more superior. It just means that you're choosing 
your op opinions or beliefs, emotions, whatever it is, over reality. But a person who is distant, who is truly neutral, is not going to do that. They have no reason to do that. They have no purpose in doing that. It doesn't serve their purpose. It doesn't serve what they're doing. Um, you know, when they're distant, when they're neutral in this way, you know, they don't need to choose their beliefs over reality because they have... They have either no, they have no beliefs or their beliefs are so. Um, what's the word I'd use? They have either they have no beliefs or they realize that their beliefs are not reality. That they choose reality over belief, or emotion, or whatever it is, or fantasy, or ideal, the ideals, whatever it is, right? Reality over perfection, reality over out idealization, reality over philosophy, reality over emotion, reality over belief, reality over opinion, reality over um, fantasy, um, things like this, right? Whereas the other people will choose those other things over reality. Besides reality. And that ends up getting them stuck in a lot of consequences as a result. Uh, and it, there's there's a lot of deep detail I can go into with that one. Um, it's actually really interesting. There's a good book that uh, sort of kind of talks about this a little bit. It's called The Gifts from Icus or Icus. E-Y-K-I-S. It's really interesting. It kind of goes, it kind of does this, but it does it in a different way than I'm doing it. But it talks about the emotion, what happens when you're choosing re emotions, or what happens when you have emotions, and those emotions are not necessarily some, doing anything for you in reality, and they're not necessarily match, it, matching reality and this kind of stuff. Um... But yeah, it's, it's interesting to uh, contemplate this. And I could definitely go deep into detail about this. Like, um, because it's something that we all have done, honestly. This is not is this is not some uncommon thing. Like, everybody has done this. You know, imagine... I mean, it's easy to imagine, right? Like, imagine a situation where something happens... Let's say let's say you're you're in a yard or or in a playground or whatever, and somebody tells you something that might be truthful, but because it pre presses your insecurity buttons, you 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 say no, it's not truthful, it's not correct, and this kind of thing, and then you get stuck in that. That's easy to imagine because it's so common. It's more common to do this than to actually say, well, maybe you're right, maybe this is truthful, and become aware of that possibility and take that into account. Well, maybe the person is, is saying that not because it's truthful, um, but because they're jealous of you or whatever. That's also a possibility. 
But that's something you have to become aware of, have to take into account as well. And so a person who is, is truly distant chooses a reality over emotion, chooses reality over this insecurity button that's being pressed. Maybe the insecurity button is there for a reason, is trying to protect you from knowing the truth, because knowing the truth is going to be un, unpleasant for you. See, people think they want to know the truth. It's so funny to me. To people are like, I'm I'm here. I'm searching for the truth. I'm like a truth seeker. Blah 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 blah. It's like they they think they want to know the truth, and the truth is is that they only want to know certain truths that match them, match their opinions, match their beliefs. In most cases, most people don't actually want to know the truth. Because if they knew, if they wanted to know the truth, they would be seeing. They they would probably be become very aware of unpleasant things very quickly, in life, because there are things that are true about yourself that are so unpleasant to understand and contemplate that you're not want you're gonna you're not gonna want to do it. You're not gonna want to become aware of those things, right? There are things about our society, our, our human nature in itself, that are so unpleasant to understand and think about that you will not want to do this. Or if you do think about those things, you think about it only in certain contexts. And we can go into deep details about this. Like, perfect example to me is oppression. You know, we... If you think about it, technically, we stand on the backs of oppression, uh, of others that have been oppressed. And this is not a black or white thing. This is not a, This is about our past his, history as people, as humans, period. Um, you know, the United States was born, but before the United States, we took over Native American lands and this kind of stuff, right? And, you know, before that, you know, you could say, well, that means white people are you know, bad. They're causing these problems. But the Native Americans, before that, what were they doing? They were they were doing the same thing, but in different cases with different tribes and things like this. So it's not quite the same thing, but it is definitely a problem. This is how the mind, this is how human nature is. This is how human nature works. And in a lot of ways, I think, you know, religion, especially Christianity, is more aware of this than a lot of, like, scientifically-minded people, a lot of atheistically-minded people. Of course, the religious people take it to the extremes, but that is uh, why it's important to be neutral, but, you know, we already talked about that. Uh, and so, yeah, like, our society is built on past society oppression, societal oppression even present societal oppression in some ways. Because to be what we are, especially as a superpower in the United States, things like this, in the world, we have to break down or oppress other societies that are not doing this. Sanctions, uh, you know, wars, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, and I, other societies are doing the same thing. In different, in different eras, other societies have done the same thing. 
because it's it's human nature. It's a human nature thing. It's a survival thing. Now we can go very deep with that, because it it goes into even more territory with this as well. Um, but the point is that uh, coming from where you're coming from, you might see this as wrong or bad, especially if you're a nationalist, especially if you are prideful in being an American or being whatever it is that you are. Um, you know, being a Jewish person, you could look at times where the Jewish people were oppressed, but you might also look even further back and, re- and look at times where Jewish, Jewish people were oppressed, or the oppressors, you know. Or even now you could look at uh, now where you could see that the Jewish people are oppressors in some cases as well, if you look deep enough. Uh, we could talk about Palestine and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that I agree with that, if Jewish people are oppressing Palestine, but we can look at both sides of this and see what's going on here. Um, because that's what a neutral person would do. That's what a logical person would do. It's a person. That's what a person who looks from from a distance would do, right? But that's unpleasant, especially if you are attached to being a Jewish person or being an Israelite or being an American or whatever it is that you are, because. There will be unpleasant truths about your nation, your group, your state, your whatever it is that you will not want to become aware of. Because to become aware of those things will sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It will uh, take away or, or diminish the pride that you have in the same because you realize that this country, this group or whatever it is, is not as... Uh, glorious or as good as you might at first have imagined. I'm not saying that they're evil. I'm saying this is human nature. This is how human nature works. And to be prideful, to be born in a, in a state or a nation is not wrong, but it, it can often keep you from um, seeing these unpleasant truths about this nation or this state or this group or whatever it is. So that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, if I dared to, to point out the truth about the United States and how it in the past and even in the present to a certain extent has been oppressors, you know, people who are nationalistic and are, are prideful of the United States would be like, no, no, you're wrong. Like, Americans, America is like the best nation in the world and this kind of stuff. It's like, well, in a lot of ways, that is true. There's a lot of freedoms that we have as citizens, but that does not mean, um, you know, just because what I'm saying is true, that you know, the United States may not be as pure or as golden or as truly good as you might imagine, does not mean that your United States is absolutely horrible it's probably the best uh, in a lot of ways when it comes to being able to be free and this kind of stuff but it is not the best it is not better it is simply one of many one of a few that are actually really good at doing what they do as far as you know democracy and freedom 
in, in some cases, in some cases not. Um, we can come, become aware of examples of this. This is this is what I'm talking about, though. Like if you're adamant about being proud, prideful about your state or your nation or whatever it is, you won't want to see those things. You will say, well, and, and that's what I'm talking about. That's why I'm saying that you are choosing belief, emotion, whatever it is, over reality. Um, and there's, there's this saying that I, I, I don't completely agree with there's some truth to it. But there's a saying that says there's more there's there's two at least two sides to a story to a story right I think there's usually more than two but that's another episode um, and I've talked about that before in the past but there's usually more than two there's usually like three or more uh, depending on how complex the situation is depending on how many players are involved in this kind of stuff. Um, and so. That's all that we're pointing out as people who are distant, who are people who are neutral. We are noticing the reality, which is the oppression versus oppressor, whatever it is, right? You know, think about it as too. It's not even it's not even about racism. It's about like imagine, for instance, a, a, an interesting example is like imagine you were a king somewhere, right? Um. And this is something that I've really talked about in the past as well. But imagine, like, as king, you start noticing that your uh, your your survival might be threatened as a king if you give people more freedoms than and and things like this. And so you decide, and so, like, imagine for instance, like the like the um, that your subjects as king are. You know, rebelling against you, they're rioting, this kind of thing. What are you going to do? Are you going to give up your kingdom? You know, probably not, because. And there's a, there's many reasons why you could you could uh, come to that conclusion, or probably not, right? And it's not even just about you being selfish. It might be, well, if I give up my kingdom, will the person who uh, replaces me be, be be worse? It might be very much worse, especially if I know who this person is. You know, whatever it is, right? But it also could be selfish. Like if, if they, if I give up my kingdom, if I secede or whatever, they might behead me. They might kill me as a person because I have no more power, you know, whatever it is, right? So it's about personal survival, physical survival of the group, this kind of thing. And so in that kind of way, survival is causing oppression. Because because of that, now the king decides not to give these subjects more freedom. He decides to uh, oppress them even more and to you know, deal with these dissenters in a very violent way. Because that makes him survive. That keeps him gives him more power to survive in the future. Things like this, right? I'm not saying I agree with that decision, but that's that's reality. That's how reality works. That's how the mind works. This whole survival works. And then, of course, if we can go into different, deeper examples of this, like, and uh, it goes very deep, right? But 
the point is to attempt to build neutrality over everything else. And it is, it's an acquired taste. It's not something you're going to be able to do right away, especially if you haven't been able, if, if you haven't done this before. And you might not want to do this. It's fine, I guess. But, you know, you might want to be, at least become aware of the consequences of not doing this. So why why do this? Why not? Why, why should I do this? Why should I not do this? And things like this, right? What are the consequences of, of not doing this? What are the consequences of doing this, right? Maybe there are some consequences. Um, so why, let's focus on the first question of why do this in the first place. Why try to build distance? Why try to build neutrality into my own mind and, and reality and stuff, I guess? Why? What, what's the point? And I've already given you some examples or some uh, reasons already. We can go back into those reasoning into those the first one is being able to be wiser as a person um, more distance builds more awareness more uh, if it's not too extremely distant and things like this more distance builds more awareness um, and more awareness brings over time more wisdom when, if you're using this awareness and things like this right The other, the other, another reason is that you are actually able to, by doing this, become aware of more. There's more of like an ability to, as well, to um, reason better. There's more of like a, you know, because because oftentimes you are very close to the things that you're looking at. It's very hard to actually reason because of this is very hard to actually be illogical person because of this and so by um, deciding to uh, choose distance and by being distant things like this you're actually able to reason better you're actually able to choose principles over the rules and dogma and this kind of stuff right uh, another reason is you, you become less emotional. You suffer less. And, you know, you, there's less consequences in your life because you're aware of reality over these emotions. And there's, there's this is an easy thing to become aware of with certain things. Um, uh, like you would, you could ask yourself the question, well, what, what would happen if I chose emotion over reality? And you can think of an example of like, you know, imagine that you were just kind of sitting around and everything was quiet and all of a sudden a loud noise happened. And your emotions came and your thoughts came over. This is annoying. You start complaining in your head or maybe out loud or whatever it is. And you just kept getting angry and annoyed. The consequence of choosing your emotions over reality is now your emotions are going against reality, which is not helping you to become less stressed, less angry, less annoyed. You're more annoyed, more stressed, more angry, more, and whatever it is. And so because of that, you um, are suffering more. It doesn't feel good to be angry. It doesn't feel good to be, you know, whatever, right? 
that's a simple but overt example. So, because you're able to become more, because you're w willing and able to become more distant, you you you, be, you suffer less. You notice more consequences for for suffering things like this, right? Because it's not it's not like a one to one process where like you you feel distant, you you uh, just automatically become distant in like one second. It, it takes practice. It's it's like you have one step forward. You like start up becoming more distant, and then something happens. Your emotions get riled up, and you take like three steps backwards, and you go, "Oh, damn it!" And then you go, and you notice the distance again. You go one step forward, two steps back, and eventually you start noticing that you're moving forward more and more and more as you're doing this. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have emotions again. It just means that you're able to separate, distinguish the difference between emotion and reality, emotion and, and thought, things like this, which is something that you're probably not able to do right now because you're not putting distance in between those things. Um, and you can make distance by all, there's all kinds of methods. We'll get into some master list of methods in a minute. So, um, that's the reasoning behind doing this. Why, why should I do this? And why, 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 why can't I just be the way I am right now? You know, you might be asking that as well. And it's like, well, you can, there's nothing stopping you, but it's not helping you. It's making you suffer more. You're, you're, basically become very unstable you know the one the, I've really noticed is that as well is that if you are choosing emotion over reality you become very unstable and it's very interesting to notice and notice this as it's happening but what I mean by this is that because your emotions are controlling you because you've chosen emotions over reality unconsciously it's a very unconscious process your state of mind is very much determined by what is happening around you. Which makes you more unstable than you realize. It makes you very, very unstable. Um, and so, because emotions are very fickle, you are going to be going from one motion to the next motion to the next motion... And you're going to be very, very unstable. You're going to be very un, unable to really control your emotions because you're going from one state to another. It's like a roller coaster of emotions. And that makes you very unstable. So that's one uh, consequence of not doing this. Another consequence I've noticed as well is that if you're not doing this, there's a lot more confusion that you start having in life. You're very much more confused. Um, because if you're a very anxious person, there's a lot more confusion that you're going to be dealing with as a person. And there's a lot of like uncertainty and there might be nihilism and stuff that you're dealing with. And so if you're looking at emotions over reality, over the reality that is... You're not going to notice those consequences, and you're not going to want to change those consequences. 
because you, and, and because you don't know those consequences, because you don't know what's going on in reality, this kind of stuff, you are actually much more confused about life. This is why most people don't really have direction because they don't really know what reality is for them, what that looks like, where that you know where they should go, and things like this. Because they haven't looked at reality over them, their emotions, over their thoughts, things like this, right? Sense of direction is very important in this process. Um, so, those are some cons. So now we're going to get into some basic lists of uh, how to do this, how to distance yourself. The first one I already gave you was imagine yourself as a imagine a wise person is looking upon your life and giving you direction. This kind of thing you can do that. It's very easy to do. It's it's simpler than trying to do this yourself. At least at first, um, you know. Later on, you might have to start to do this in more of a self-propelled kind of way. But for the time being, uh, this is something that. You, have to, you might want to start with, right? Um, and the, the next thing is, like I've said before, choosing reality over emotion, choosing reality over belief, over opinion, over fantasy, over insecurity, over fears, whatever it is, right? Um, this is probably the most important step. Uh, because if you're not able to do this, if you're not willing to do this, you're not really going to go anywhere in life. Um, but it is an, it's an, a very it's a very much an acquired taste, because most people are are afraid of truth more than they realize actually. Uh, of course, a lot of people think they actually know what the truth is. But oftentimes what I find is that their truth is like very partial. It's um, only like partial truth. It's like kernels of truth, kernels of what is, but not the whole truth, nothing but the truth kind of thing. Because the whole truth would be very uh, inconvenient for the mind because the mind is very much controlled by the emotions. And so learning those inconvenient truths would uh, make the person sad or angry or whatever it is, right? Of course, there's there's a sort of on another level, a level of this as well, where it's like sometimes there are things that are true, but it might not be so important for you to learn those things. Like a lot of like, for instance, a good example is like the news, right? Well, um, it might be true that what the news is telling you is true, like all these murders everywhere and all this violence, but is that knowledge helping you? It might help you big picture if you start becoming aware of like how, what murders are or how murders happens, this kind of thing, because you can start to understand how the human mind works, why murder happens and, and the human mind, things like this. But when the news is delivering you this information, it's a very small picture it's like, oh, a murder happened here, a murder happened there, a murder happened this place, this way, this place, whatever it is, right? That doesn't necessarily help you to understand how murders happen. It can, it can sort of help, but more indirectly than directly. And so we're looking more big picture here as much as possible. 
That's something the small picture is not important, but it's should be subservient to the big picture. Small per picture versus big picture is another sort of master technique here. Um, and that's that's something that we can talk deeper on in other episodes. You know, what is the big picture? You know, that's the question you ask yourself. Like, what am I actually trying to? What am I actually gaining by learning this? Is there any purpose in learning this? For me, for the world, you know, whatever this, right? You know, for instance, is there a purpose in knowing that this person here got murdered, or that person here got murdered? Not necessarily, right? Unless you knew them personally or whatever it is, right? Unless you know the person, unless you know the person who was murdering, unless you know what was going through in their mind, unless you know the psychology of murder, that information is not really that important. Even if you do know that psychology of mind, once you know all of that, once you understand all of this, you really don't need to learn, look at more murders unless you're like trying to confirm it, unless you're trying to go even deeper and like this kind of stuff, right? So small per picture versus big picture. Small picture is like the small details like, oh, this person in Birmingham was murdered by you know, a mace or, you know, let's say, give a simple example. He's, he was shot by his brother. Uh, his brother was angry at him because he was, <clears throat> this other person that he was shooting, he shot, was sleeping with his wife or something, right? That's what I mean by small picture. It can help you to build more understanding for big picture of, you know, details about that and stuff like that. But that is, that information itself is a very small picture. Uh. So that's the next thing. Small picture versus big picture. Are you looking at big picture or are you looking at small picture? Um, you know, get, to give you more of a life-based example, a more personal example of the noise before, right? Like imagine you're in this quiet place. You like the quiet. You like the peace. And all of a sudden, you hear this loud noise, and you get annoyed. You get you get whatever it is, right? So to focus on that that loud noise exclusively would be small picture, but the loud noise can teach you something about your mind. And by learning that th how that loud noise creates uh, emotions within why and things like this can help you to understand why. Emotion over reality is not helpful for you and this kind of stuff, right? That's big picture. Things like this, right? You can learn more about your mind by looking at small picture and this kind of stuff. Um, and so it's basically about looking at the greater... The... Uh, reality... You know, looking at reality in more of a big picture kind of way. That's really what I find is make what makes distance uh, what it is. Um, so, what else is there? So, there's other elements as well. You can observe when, when you observe things that can create emotional distance. You know, observing your thoughts can create a lot of distance as well. Observing your surroundings, purely observing without thinking about them, things like this. 
that can help to build it what I would call uh, mood to distance where you're not uh, so emotional and things like this and deep breathing like to can do something similar as well uh, what else I'm trying to think of all uh, as many different things as possible here going meta going meta on this thing referencing this thing you know going meta is a very deep topic in itself but basically the process of going meta is the thing that you're looking at can reference itself within your mind uh, becoming aware becoming aware of something right you know for instance going meta could be like noticing something around you but then you notice that you're noticing this thing around you notice what you know what, what you're learning from that things like this right and you know becoming aware of becoming aware as well is a very interesting and a better process Becoming meta helps you to become more aware of this thing, whatever this you're looking at. Whether uh, versus just look, looking at this thing as the thing itself, without referencing it and going beyond that, you can still learn a lot by not doing that. But if you are going more meta, if you are noticing it more in this more self-referential kind of way, and I want to go deeper into that with, uh, in episodes in the future, uh, but by doing that, you become more aware of it. You become aware of it in a more distance-based way. Uh, so, for instance, like, you could have an emotion of, like, anger or upset or whatever it is. Uh, that itself is, is interesting and you can be aware of that. But to be meta is to notice that emotion, notice what that emotion is doing to you, things like this. Um you know, becoming aware of the thing itself beyond just the uh, thing by itself, right? And on the first, without, when you're not being meta, you're just having the emotion, the emotion is happening. But when you are meta upon this emotion, the emotion is happening, but you're also aware of the emotion happening. You're aware of what the emotion is doing. You're maybe taking some mental notes about that in your head, like, oh, this means this, and this is why this happens, this kind of stuff, right? So going meta. Um, and a lot of this is kind of like the tier one versus tier two difference as well. You know, going tier two is more distance-based. There's more of like a neutrality that, that can kind of happen within this. When you're in tier one, it's very difficult to do this, if not impossible, because of the emotion over reality or the belief over reality mindset that you're in. So, yeah, I want to go do deeper episodes on this as we go on here. Um, I think for now, I think for now, hold on a second. Wow. This is actually kind of longer than I expected it to be. But anyways, I think I'm going to end this episode here. Um, it is a very long episode. I didn't realize how long it was going to be, but, uh, anyways, hope you enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you in the next one.